Welcome to Everyday Motherhood, the podcast that inspires you to pause, connect, and play more every single day. The podcast that's focused on you, the mom, to help you fill up your cup and rediscover the joy and love in your everyday life. We can't parent alone, and parenting is too serious to be serious all the time. Thanks for being here. My name is Christy Thomas. Visit my website at www.keepcalmmotheron.com. I am so excited today to have Dr. Nicole or Nicole Libin. Is your are you a doctor, Nicole? Yeah. I am a doctor. I'm a doctor <laughs> of philosophy of religious studies. It's <laughs> it technically counts. I have a doctorate. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I'm so excited to meet you. I've read two of your books and um I'm here to talk to you about mindfulness because that's kind of your jam, isn't it? It is kind of my jam. How did you get into mindfulness? Uh, I think it's one of those things where, you know, sort of lifelong, a bunch of different twists and turns sort of took me there. Um, I don't have an exact sort of epiphany moment. I do remember, I remember being a kid. Um, I, I was officially diagnosed with depression when I was about 16 years old. And I remember being a teenager and even before the diagnosis, going to see doctors and therapists and all sorts of people and just getting the sense that like they wanted to give me this this pill or this thing that was going to fix me, mm-hmm. air quotes, fix me. Yeah. Um, and I and I remember being at that age and just thinking, I, I know no one is going to fix me. I just want someone to give me some tools so I can help myself. And, you know, lo and behold, some, you know, several decades later, what I found is that mindfulness really is that set of tools for me. Because it's not about fixing. It's not about getting rid of who you are. It's not about saying really that there's anything wrong with you. It's about seeing what's happening right now and then allowing yourself to be okay with it. So even if I still get depressed, which I do, even if I still get sad, which I do, or stressed, which I do, <laughs> yeah. um, mindfulness is sort of this tool that lets me choose my relationship to that depression or to that sadness. So I ultimately don't feel as bad about feeling bad. Yeah. And then the process of discovery, it was sort of this, like I said, circu- circuitous route I started doing, when I was doing my PhD, uh, I was researching Buddhists and researching uh, all sorts of people who do meditation, and it kind of got me into meditation, Mm -hmm. and then I kept sort of going and then just ended up here somehow. That's fantastic. So for those who want to read your books, the books that I've read of yours are Mindful Parenting in a Chaotic World. And then yep. you have a book for kids. It's a children's book called Sticky Brains. And that one's brand new, right? Yes. And it yes. is adorable. Uh, adorable. Um, the little um, girl yeah, on the cover brains. painting Sorry, rainbows. Yeah. <laughs> sticky Brains is, is my, I have two children. Um, the one child who I actually have, who's my seven-year-old daughter. And then the book is sort of my other child. Absolutely. It's been about five years in the making <laughs> that particular one. Um, and then the other, other one I have is a book for teens. It's called uh, five minute, five minute mindfulness meditations for teens. Excellent. Title's a mouthful. Very cool. So I really liked that. I was, um, 
So one of the podcast episodes I do every week is a guided breathing episode. It's super short on yeah. Tuesdays. And then on Fridays, I release interviews and, you know, solo shows. And so I found you because I was looking for some more guided breathing ideas. And so okay. I stumbled across your book and I was so impressed. And I took notes in my little notebook that I read every morning and I take notes and um, I have some quotes here about how mindfulness is a calm support. It empowers us to choose how we want to be in any given moment. More peace, more patience, more kindness, and more focus. And I just knew that I needed to talk to you after reading your <laughs> words. Because you're yeah. a mom talking about mindfulness, which I think is extra important. Because sometimes when I read books that are written by men, you can tell that they don't have all the same mental chatter. Uh, yeah um a hundred percent and i think like this is again where i find mindfulness is this tool that's empowering um you know if you go into it especially as a mom right with like the mental chatter and the hamster wheel and all this stuff if you go into it thinking like this is going to make me calm mm -hmm. or this is going to make me my kids behave <laughs> or some crazy thing like we think crazy things right yeah um then we're just going to be disappointed like i'm no matter what, if I go into something thinking I will now be calm or I will be a different person, then I'm just going to be frustrated. And so that's why, for me, mindfulness is such an empowering tool because it, like, I still get to be myself, mm -hmm. but I get more choice in how I respond to all the crap that comes up with being a person and with being a parent and, and all the rest of it. Yeah. Do you have a mindfulness practice that you default to often in your busy life? Because you're a mom of a seven-year-old, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, and a very busy, precocious, nonstop seven-year-old at that, if they aren't all. Um, I do. I sort of have two practices, and I always, or two sets of practices. Yeah. And whenever I'm teaching mindfulness, I always try to focus on both of them. So okay. one of them is sort of the formal practice, okay. right? like a formal meditation, whether it's long or short, it's that, you know, the, the, the moments of stopping and breathing or paying attention to sounds or paying attention to emotions, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I try to do that pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. The other practice I find we don't talk about maybe as much in mindfulness circles, and that's the informal practice. So that's things like just really enjoying that first sip of coffee in the morning. Or, you know, when you get into bed at night and you get cozy with all the blankets, just enjoying or relishing soaking in that feeling. It doesn't have to be things that are, you know, those are really pleasant, enjoyable things. It can just be like when I'm just writing an email, I'm just noticing when I sign off, I try to actually mean, you know, sincerely uh -huh. yours or care, whatever I say. Yeah. I try to stop and just pause and realize like I'm in this present moment. And so just for this one second, I'm going to really be present with what I'm doing. So I try to marry those two. There's the formal practice, like I sit, you know, mm -hmm. sit still in a quiet room. Um, but then there's just all throughout my day listening to the sounds, you know, the sounds of the leaves in the trees outside or listening to the rain, whatever, whatever it happens to be. That's a really interesting idea because you're right. I think so much of what's marketed as mindfulness right now is... I mean, there are a bazillion apps in the app store or you can oh, yeah. 
ask, uh, you know, Alexa or Google Home and they'll all pop up with something. And it is that formal sort of practice. So if you were going to guide someone into like noticing something in their informal way to like sprinkle it in, because I find that when I sprinkle it in in those moments after reading a book like yours to remind me to do it, like I am much more present during the day. Yeah. Which is exactly what we're going for, right? Like I'm always reminding yeah, moms right. to pause, connect, and play with your kids because I think in that sweet spot of pausing, that's where like our hearts get to meet each other. Yeah. And it's pause and connect and play also with yourself. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, there's so much talk, especially for parents, especially uh, again for, for moms, mm-hmm. this idea that our nervous systems are the intervention, our, our kids regulate their nervous systems to us and they can't do that if we're so frazzled or so in our heads or so distracted. So on the one hand, we want to be present for them, mm-hmm. but a prerequisite or like the precursor to that is I get to be present for my own life. Yeah. So it's not just for my kid, but being present for myself then lets me enjoy my life, lets me enjoy playing with my kid and and so on and so forth. So I think the idea for me about the formal meditation is that formal meditation is all about preparing you to lead and live the rest of your life. So it's not that I spend the 23 hours and you know 40 minutes let's say a day preparing to meditate it's i use those 20 minutes or 30 minutes or five or whatever it may be that is my preparation for the rest of my life so my analogy is always it's like going to the gym Mm -hmm. you know if we can go whenever we can all go (laughs) whatever Uh, you can do yeah any exercise right but it's like like when you go to the gym, most people don't go to the gym to be really good at the gym. You go so you can be strong and fit and look good and do whatever you want to do yeah. outside. So meditation's the same way. You don't meditate to be good at meditation. Because like, who cares if you're good at meditation? <laughs> it doesn't matter. That is and such a good point. Oh my goodness. You're right. <laughs> Well, and it especially doesn't matter. Like if I'm great, let's say I'm the greatest meditator, like I'm in focus and I'm aware of what's happening. And, um, and then I get off my cushion or off my chair and then the rest of my day I'm distracted or I'm a jerk or I'm you right. know, something, then there's no point. So, so it, that's why I say it's like going to the gym. Like it's like lifting a weight. I get strong so I can pick up my kid. Or so I can throw a ball or so I can, you know, garden or whatever the case may be. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I like that pivot. And I like the fact. So I think that we should restate that thing about parents being the the place that kids regulate from. Yeah, because I think that's a huge pivoting point. Like if you're feeling like your kids, um like you get into this tense argument, right? And I can feel that my kids need something from me, but I'm not able to give it to them because I'm too spun up. And they're yeah. just spinning up. Like I can see that we're just <laughs> making a bigger storm together. 
Yeah. Um, I, I think like it was in your book that I learned this and then someone else said it like at the same time. And I was like, oh my gosh, how have I parented for 13 years without realizing how connected my nervous system is to theirs? But you are, you already knew. Like when right. you think about when your kids are babies, right? And yeah, they're, it's and intuitive they're, then. Yeah. They can't regulate. That's why we rock them and we shush them. And it doesn't really matter if like, you know, you might be going crazy, like stop crying. Uh-huh. But you still shush and uh-huh. you still swaddle or rock or talk yeah. softly. That's regulating their nervous system for them because they can't do it themselves. Huh. And then the truth is, as they grow up, <laughs> Those times when they're most pissing us off, like uh-huh. the times when they're most losing it yep. and stressing us out and yelling and I don't have this, and, you know, having the tantrum, those are actually the times they need us the most because those are the times when their nervous systems are the most dysregulated. And so the really the first step for parents, like if you're talking about mindfulness for mm-hmm. parents, the first step for parents is to find their own nervous system. So, you know, feeling your feet on the floor, feeling a breath, like you said, a pause and a breath. Then once my nervous system is even the tiniest bit regulated, then I can go to my kid and help her come down to my level of regulation rather than me going up to her level of chaos. Right. Yeah. Because it's so easy to get trapped in that circle it's of so, chaos I mean, it's so easy for all of us like not just with kids but you right. know you have a all situation where someone comes uh-huh. someone comes running into a room stressed and you feed off that stress so as parents and this is sort of like um any sort of discussion of trauma with with respect to children you know the first step is to check your own nervous system like you're freaking out you're rushing over to your kids something happened And you still need to just take that tiny pause and a breath and then you can be present for them rather than being so caught up in that, that hamster wheel, those worries. That's a huge moment. I think someone's going to rewind and go take some notes, like go listen (laughs) to this part again. I know that um, when I edit this, I will be so thankful for this conversation because I think it's so intuitive when they're so young that those cries mean that they need soothing but when the chaos and the storm looks more like um a tantrum or looks like mean words being spewed at you or it is much harder to see that as a call for help then ah and and part of the issue and this is again where mindfulness really comes in is we take it personally Mm -hmm. right like it's and it's very hard not to when you know the 12 year old slams the door and says i hate you yep we take it personally because we're human and we love them and we care right if we can and it's really hard but this is why you practice if you can take a step back and go okay my child is really upset right now her emotions are way too big for her to handle in this moment and she's lashing out because she doesn't have access to the rational part of her brain And then it's not, oh, my kid hates me. It's more, oh, my kid is having a physiological response that is appropriate to, you know, her level of development and her stage of where she's at. Yeah. So it's not, oh, my kid hates me, but, oh, what's really happening right now is her nervous system is, she's in fight-flight mode. 
And so rather than me yelling back, well, I hate you too, which <laughs> reasonably we might want to do. Or fine, just stay in your room forever. Yeah, fine, right? <laughs> I see that it's actually not about us. Right. And then if I can come in, like I'm soothing when she was a baby, if I can come in and just like, okay, all right, you know, I'm just going to sit with you. Or I'm here whenever you want to talk. You just come out and open the door. That is a really great um, idea. And it's a good pivot point because I think that when we're able to realize that our kids um, have all these big things and that their brain is going and collecting all this data all the time, this is where your book for little kids is really great. The Sticky Brains book, because our brains collect the negative, right? Like that's what we're wired for. Totally. And I don't, I almost remember, and maybe I've recreated this memory for myself, but I remember the first time I heard that, this idea that everyone's brain is hardwired. We see the negative more than the positive and we hold on to the negative more than the positive. Mm-hmm. So when you have a day that a hundred good things happen to you, And then the one bad thing happens, there's the one dark cloud, and the only thing you remember is the dark cloud. So the first time I heard that that wasn't my fault, it was like a revelation. Because I had thought, why am I, what's wrong with me? Exactly what Arya said Uh in the book, the girl in the book. I think there's something wrong with me, because I see the bad more than the good. Mm -hmm. And... The fact that, I mean, both for adults and for children, if you can actually say, you know what, that is not your fault. Yeah. So, so you don't have to feel bad about feeling bad. It's huge. And you can do something about mm-hmm. it. It's huge. It's huge. So, yeah, because it, it leads us to understand, first of all, you get to understand a little bit about, about your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my experience, kids... I mean, adults love this too, but kids really take to it because it is empowering, right? You get to understand the different parts of your brain and how they work. And the idea that the negativity bias, the seeing the negative more than the positive, it's actually supposed to be there. It's a, it's a feature. It's not a bug, right? We treat it as like a bug. It's like a mistake. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. We totally and do because I, it seems like we don't need it anymore. So. Yeah. And so, and that's where the second piece of the book comes in, the notion of neuroplasticity is this, um, this relatively recent branch of neuroscience that we know now that you can physically change the structure and the function of your brain just by paying attention. That is the neatest things ever. Like brain uh, science I mean, right I'm now is excited. so cool. I'm so excited for what's going to come. Yeah. Because that means, I mean, it, it means so many things on so many levels. I mean, for one thing, for all, those of us who aren't kids, right, there's this sense of like, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks right? sort of thing. Well, what you realize is actually you can. Yeah. It's harder because we have very well-worn neural pathways. Right. But, but I can practice happiness mm-hmm. and I can practice patience and I can practice taking a breath and I can practice compassion just the way that I can practice the piano. And the more I practice piano, the better I get at playing the piano, mm-hmm. the more automatic it becomes. So it's actually the same thing with happiness. 
that is the more the I practice happiness, the better my brain gets at that. So part of this idea is it's so powerful for kids is that like your brain is always practicing something. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what do you want your brain to get good at? Yeah. And then for adults, we get to see, well, okay, well, what am I practicing? Oh, how often do I call myself an idiot? <laughs> wow. Uh, my brain, I have trained my brain to get so good at that. And I didn't even know I was doing it. So now what else, what, what do I want my brain to get good at? Right. It's not then, oh crap, like there's another thing that I'm bad at, but yeah, ah, there's this opportunity to, instead of practicing, you know, self judgment, mm-hmm. self criticism or self doubt, I can practice self compassion yeah, or gratitude. It's or so empowering. Like, yeah, that's one of the reasons that I fell in love with the science of play was the whole neuroplasticity thing about how <laughs> our brains need this novelty for our whole life in order to be healthy. Yeah. And so um, then I stumbled into mindfulness after I stumbled into play. And so the idea of a neuro, like a plastic brain is so exciting that we yeah. get to choose something else, that we can change patterns no matter the age. And then the play aspect of it is so important because, again, especially for parents, mindfulness can just become something else I'm supposed to do. Uh I'm supposed to be like, now I have to do the laundry and buy the groceries and cook dinner and go to work and do this other thing. And then I just feel guilty because I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So, so, but, but accessing it through play. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going for a nature walk. Like, it's so beautiful out here right now. Mm -hmm. Going for a walk and just like, can I just feel the sun on my face? Or watching bugs crawl on the the sidewalk. Or anything can become a moment where it's just like, I'm just going to play with being alive. Yeah. And it doesn't, I don't have to take it seriously. It doesn't have to be something where I must sit still for half an hour. (laughs) Not that that, there's, there's space for that. But that. I can change my brain in every moment. Every moment is another opportunity. So if I miss the last one, well, I, there's another one right here. Then if I miss that one, then there's another one here. And so there's always this chance to, I get to decide what, what I want my brain to keep getting good at. That is so important because I love the fact that you remind us that we get to keep choosing, that it's like a constant thing. You can't really fail at this because there's going to be another moment coming. Yeah. Which, which parents need, like, I need that because I mean, I don't know about you, but like how many times you said, you know, like, Oh, I can't believe I did that. I'm such a bad parent or oh yeah, we just get caught up. Yep. It's so easy to get caught up. And then we take those things personally too. Yep. So just like the kids slamming the door, like our nervous systems kind of do that to us. They slam the door on us and they say, I hate you. Yeah. And then, when like, you, there's something wrong. Yeah, when you miss the shot that you, or you're like, I can't believe I said that that way. And yeah, and then so, okay, well, I did that. And now I get to do this moment differently. Mm-hmm. So that's where like, I mean, I've done this to my daughter. Like, I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have said that. I made a mistake. I learned my lesson. You know, you know, let's, let's go go on from here. Yep. And then doing that for ourselves too. So, oh, I got caught up and I was really stressed and I was frustrated. And so it's not, I'm a terrible person. Yeah. I'm a bad person. It's, ah, there was a lot of frustration that was visiting me 
in that moment. And now I get to decide what I want to do about it. I love that phrase, that it was visiting me. I'm going to steal that one. (laughs) By all means. Because that's how emotions are. They actually just visit us and and then they go. They come and they go. Yeah. But it's our brains that go, oh, no, but what about that part? And, oh, you're also upset about that. And it's like, I, I imagine there's like this little Rolodex, <laughs> right? And, and you're mad at someone and then your brain just goes, oh, yeah, but they also did this thing. And then they also did this thing. <laughs> Let's right? show all the, yeah, the yeah, highlight reel. All these, like uh-huh. these tabs we've been holding on to. Yeah. So... So I guess, again, for me, the practice of mindfulness is meaningful because it's something that I can actually do and something I can practice, not, it's not a a matter of blaming myself. It's not a matter of getting stuck in, you know, a particular theory or something that needs me to change who I am. It's more about seeing who I am, seeing what my patterns are right now. And then I get to see, like, is that a pattern I want? Mm -hmm. Is that helpful? And if not, then I get to start practicing a different pattern. And that's the fact that that's always available to us. So as a parent, if you haven't been practicing this for the first 10 years of your kid's life, Mm -hmm. it's not like, oh, it's too late. Right. Yeah. Now I get to try this. Yeah. And I like the fact that it brings you more to what's actually happening, right? That when you're doing um, the informal mindfulness that you talked about at the beginning, that it's actually just making you come back into the room and come back into the space, like into your body and be present. Where so much of our life is divided between digital life and what we call in real life, which is really just being in our body. And we need to remember what it feels like. Totally. And it's not to say that you can't have both. Right. Yeah. But, but that you make, I think for me, it's about the conscious decision. And I, I'm try to do this as much as possible is like when I'm writing emails or when I'm at my computer to just be at my computer. Mm -hmm. So I've had moments where I tell my daughter, like, I really, I want to play with you. And I'd rather play with you than write emails. I'm going to do this first, and I'm going to give it all my attention, and then I'm going to come and play with you. Mm-hmm. Rather than trying to, you know, it's like you whole-ass one thing rather than yeah. half-assing two things. Totally. Yeah, <laughs> no, and, you know, you'll be a better playmate when when your full attention's yeah. on her. Like, it's way more enjoyable because then you actually yeah. get to participate versus feeling split in two. Totally. And I think it's also useful to know that whether it's the practice of meditation or playing with your kid, that our minds naturally wander. That even if you're meditating and you're focused on just the feeling of breathing, for example, that your mind doesn't stay there the whole time. It wanders and then it comes back and then it wanders and then it comes back and it might do that, you know, a million times. And so the practice of mindfulness isn't about forcing it to stay in one place. It's about when it wanders, seeing that it's gone somewhere, forgiving ourselves for being human and then gently coming back. So it's that's actually what we're practicing is I'm human and my brain wandered off and 
I don't have to take that personally. Yeah. So same thing when you're playing with your kid, like your brain will wander off. This is boring. What else can I be doing? I have to make dinner. I I wonder what's on Netflix. Yep. And then, and that's normal. Absolutely. And so the, the decision making is not, oh, I have to make my brain stay in one place. It's, do I want to bring it back? Right. Can I bring it back? Can I be kind to myself as I bring it back? Or, you know, my, my brain is just like, my mind feels just so crazy right now. Maybe we can just go for a walk instead. But yeah. there's a lot of the like, compassion and kindness that, that goes in there. Do you have um, a way that you practice this with your daughter or teach her? Is there like one thing that you go to with her all the time? It's interesting because when I teach, uh, I teach kids. Sometimes I teach parents with mm-hmm. and kids. I teach teachers to teach kids. Yeah. And most of the things, uh, very humblingly, in a very humble way, um, most of the things that I teach other people, uh, my daughter is not interested in. Totally makes in sense. Any yep. In any way, shape, or form. So <laughs> one of the things you learn, right, um, is that you can't, you can't and don't want to force anyone to be nope. mindful. Forced mindfulness isn't mindfulness. So I no, it's not infused. It's 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 how we talk to each other. It's like infused throughout our day. So it's just for me. It's about being open. Yeah. So for example, um, my daughter likes to say, "Can I tell you something?" And I, my response to that is always, "You can tell me anything." And there's just a little bit yeah. of just like being present and being open. Um, that's, that's one example. I, I've shown her a lot of things where, you know, we talk about stopping and taking a breath. Uh-huh. She's better at telling me to do that when I need it rather than doing it for herself. Um, when I, maybe I think she needs it. What, a, what an amazing child. She is a true teacher to you. She's been telling me to take a breath probably for the last, uh, maybe since she was four maybe three mama take a breath okay one um, <laughs> listen very well um so yeah i don't even like we've done things where she she'll sit with me we've done things where we ring the bell and listen mm-hmm. to the sound of the bell yeah but for her really it's more about just moments of being present yeah so one thing actually that that occurs to me that we do that I wouldn't have called a mindfulness practice, but I guess it is. We have what we call moments of emergency coolness. Ooh. So that's just when you see something that's really pretty, like, the, you know, a rainbow or a prism. Reflecting oh, gotcha. Okay. Ball, yeah. Or the sound, you know, maybe there's a really neat sound or we one day we, it was raining and it was really warm and I just sort of picked her up and I took her out in the rain and we just felt the rain on our faces. Yeah. So I would say that's probably that is amazing. Our, yeah, one of yeah one of our most dedicated mindfulness practices that I don't I wouldn't even label as such, but it's really just about like what can we be interested in what's happening right now? Yeah, as much as possible. Yeah, she's lucky to have you. That's a really good practice. <laughs> Thank you. As Thank she you. grows well, up, I'm, that she she'll realize that other kids didn't have a parent that. <laughs> that tried to slow down time and just be yeah. present. Yeah. But the thing is like, I, I think I'm lucky. I'm lucky to have her. Yes. But kids do that automatically. Mm-hmm. Like 
Pigs will, it's why you, I think I wrote this in one of the books, right? It's why, like, if you want to go for a walk with a toddler or a preschooler. Oh, yeah, you don't walk. Yeah, you just stop and watch the ants. Uh Yeah, it takes forever. (laughs) You don't get anywhere. But watching the ants is actually more important than the walk. Right. And that's what kids do. That's what they're so good at is like, whoa, look at those ants. And the parents, for some reason, is like, but we have to walk. Oh, wait a minute. No, like we don't. I, we, there's no agenda. We right. don't actually have to get to the end of the block. Let's just be with this present moment and watch these ants or yeah. this mud or, you know, Very blow cool. the sandy line. Yeah, we were yeah. walking the other day as a family and um, we saw like the tiniest baby frogs and my seven-year-old saw them first. Oh. They were like smaller than my fingernail. Like they must have just come out of the pond. And I was like, we would have totally missed it. And then we noticed like there were actually hundreds of them on the sidewalk, but they were so tiny, like you wouldn't have seen them if it wasn't for him. So it's that moment of emergency coolness for sure. Like we all stopped and we sat down and we just like, oh, can we hold we- it? Could, could we get it in our hand at all? Like, yeah, it was so cool. That's mindfulness. Like that, I think, if you tell a p- busy parent, okay, you have to meditate or you have to do this other practice, they might not do it. No, it feels right? too oh, stressful, yeah. right? Like we don't have any perfect. more time. Yeah. No, no more time and no more, no more brain power. Uh-huh. But if you just go for a walk and look for the tiny frogs. Yeah. Like that I think is, is almost needs to be, needs to be emphasized more than some of the other stuff. Excellent. So how do you build self-care into your day, Nicole? Because every episode ends with a self-care and a play idea. So how do you build self-care? I try to build self-care a number of ways. Um, Partially because I really need it. I don't, self-care does not come naturally to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, stress comes naturally to me. Stopping and pausing and playing and self-care, maybe not so much. So one of the things that I try to do, um, I try to get myself outside. Yeah. Um, I mean, now it's nice enough that I can do this often and not have to worry about it. But I really try to get myself outside both on a regular basis, but also when my emotions are getting hot. Yeah. Um, I had this moment the other day. We're talking about school next year and there's a lot of fear and a lot of concern. And a lot I, of unknowns. <laughs> A lot of unknown and I saw my mind just spinning and getting faster and faster and faster and I had the wherewithal to say I'm going for a walk and I, I don't know I think it was 9 30 or something at night and I just I did it and I grabbed my shoes and it took me you know a couple of times around the block and I realized okay then I let go I was able to let go of some of the stuff that was going mm-hmm. through my mind and just get back in my body so I don't discount the importance of getting outside and at moving the body, mm-hmm. like exercising in any way. Yeah. Um, dance parties are really good for that. Yeah. You do dance parties. Um, but the one practice that I really like to do and like to share is a practice. It's really, really simple. And you, you know, given someone's comfort level, you just take one of your hands and you place it sort of on the area of your belly, of your mm-hmm. abdomen. And then you can take the other hand and place it in the area of your heart. And really, this is actually enough. Just, it's a very self-soothing posture. 
And especially if you're feeling any sort of suffering or stress or trauma or just, you know, overwhelmed in that moment, even just that, that mm-hmm. feeling of like one hand around my heart, one hand on my belly. And it's like letting yourself be hugged. Yeah, I was going to say it's how we would hold a baby, right? Like Exactly. And that's actually that the practice of it, um, whether it's a short practice or a longer one, is that just like touching that self-touch and then kind of that image of holding myself the way I'd hold a child, Aww. right? Holding myself or holding my pain or holding my stress um, the way I'd hold my child or the way I'd hold an animal, mm-hmm. that idea of, you know, the shushing and the rocking and the, oh, it's okay. Like, you don't have to figure this out right now. And so I try to build as many of those throughout my day as possible. And even if it's just the self-touch, mm-hmm. um, I basically do at least one hand, the hand on my belly, I probably do before every time I've ever done an interview or I've taught anything or done any presentation. Mm-hmm. It's really good for anyone who has anxiety. Just like just yeah, the sense just of touch. The- and there's all sorts of research that shows that, you know, self-touch can actually be as powerful as someone else touching us. That's amazing. And we just don't talk about yeah. it. We don't talk about it. And it's there, like it's there for you. It's, we do it all the time, right? We go, <gasps> yeah, like the, yeah. Or like I know like heart. like the rubbing of the forehead for the pineal gland. And yeah, yeah. this one's really nice. This one, just, yeah, this you touch. just feel soothing right away. Yeah. And there's different, I mean, you can put the uh-huh. ideas to play and find what works for you. So sometimes you can put a hand on the forehead and a hand on the heart. But just like I am giving myself some touch. I am taking that pause and telling myself, right, this this moment is hard. I'm just going to hold myself or hold myself the way I'd hold my child or hold myself the way I'd want someone to hold me if yeah. if they were there. That's fantastic. Now, how do you play as a family? <laughs> mm. I mean, we're pretty silly. We, um, the, the dance party thing, yeah. like especially when coronavirus hit. Oh, yeah. Um, and we're all stuck at home and there's a lot of fear. It was also really cold here still then. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, we would do like impromptu dance parties. One minute dance party, a five minute dance party, a ten minute dance party. Um it's great for changing the energy. It's great mm-hmm. for your mood. It's great for just moving your body. So that's that's one thing we do. Um, but we also live, we live on a ridge just right by a river. And so we call them our forest walks. We kind of like go through the forest and look for different things and different colors and light and texture and, and all of that stuff. That's, that's neat. Yeah, that's yeah. another one we do. Um, and then the third thing that we do sort of combining play and mindfulness, we made, um, gratitude jars. Oh, fun. So we just took, just take a mason jar or yeah. like a gem jar, anything. Uh-huh. Um, and we, you decorate it like glue or paint or glitter glue or whatever. And then we have little slips of paper. And so at the end of the day, not every day, we try for most days, mm-hmm. um, don't succeed lately, but we try for some days. <laughs> yeah. Um, just write down one thing or two things or three things that made you happy today. And if kids are too young to write them, they can draw them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's no wrong way to put it in the jar. Yeah. It's And even if you're writing it and you write the wrong letters, the letters or you, you know, misspell something, it doesn't matter. 
That's so cool. So yeah, among all of those things, there there's certainly more. Um, we like to. We did this one the other day. Actually, there's a game that I came up with. We were waiting for a music lesson. I think a piano lesson, and my daughter was getting really antsy. And so I started again using touch. I started just sort of drawing on her arm, uh-huh. and I I just sort of did you know little things with my hands. And I said, okay, well, what what weather is? I think I said, what weather is this? Right? What weather pattern? Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and so just like doing a little rain shower on her arm. Okay, well that's like rain, and okay, this one's like snow. And any sort of touch again, yeah, is both bringing you in the moment and soothing, and it's play because yeah. you're guessing and you're being with each other. I love that idea. That's such a great waiting room game too. When you're just so stuck good. somewhere with a, I call it lousy local conditions, where you're when you have a kid oh, in a place that yeah. just isn't a place that is great for a kid, and you're like, okay, how do we do this together? Because I have yeah, to be. Nothing you can do. Yeah, yeah. You're just a you kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anything like that. I mean, we play guessing games like find a shape, mm-hmm. but touch is so helpful because it is so mindful mm-hmm. and it connects you to your child and it connects them to this moment. And it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. Yeah. You can draw a picture. You can do a shape. You can guess. You know, we've done guess the My Little Pony character, <laughs> something like that. I can't draw to save my life, um, but it doesn't matter when it's just drawing on someone's arm or drawing yeah. on someone's back. That's, that's such a good one. Well, thank you. Thank you for all the wisdom you've given in this episode. Thank you thank for being you. a guest. And they can find you, right? You have a website and it is... I, I do. I sort of have two right now. Okay. So my website is followyourbreath.com okay uh and that has all sorts of information about classes and it's got some meditations and stuff like that and then specifically to sticky brain they're specific to sticky brains mm-hmm. uh, our website is stickybrainsbook.com excellent very cool. and we actually have the book up there as for free as a free pdf oh wow to make it accessible to everyone yeah. so anyone wants it like you can find it there We've got free resources, like there's a gratitude scavenger hunt and mm-hmm. a maze and a word search and just stuff like that. So we're trying to make this sort of community hub where if anyone wants to share lessons, they can. If anyone wants to download lessons, they can. Um, so yeah, stickybrainsbook.com. Fantastic. Yeah. And if you want the paper copy, I got mine on Amazon and it is super duper cute. The illustrations, just the whole mm-hmm. story. Um, like I said, my 12-year-old, all of us have read it, 13, 12, 7, and 38. We've all read it multiple times. So um, there is something in there for all of you. So even if you're a grown-up who just wants to practice mindfulness, this might be a good stepping stone if you feel like you often get stuck in that loop pattern of just seeing the negative. So yeah. you really break it down well with the tiger. So Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's trying to make it, you know, to talk about negativity bias and neuroplasticity in kid-friendly language was an interesting challenge. But as someone who teaches kids and adults, I find often the kid language is the stuff that actually lands most with the adults because mm-hmm. it has to be so straightforward. 
right. his kids won't put up with anything but stuff that's straightforward. So, yeah, I'm so glad your whole family yeah. read it. That, that, yeah. that made me today. Thank yeah, you. Totally. Well, thank you so much. Mm, thank you. Okay, I recorded this episode in the beginning of June, and I am so glad to release it right now because my stomach has been in knots over certain things, and this episode reminded me of all the tips. So go get her books, listen to this episode multiple times, and really savor the book Sticky Brains. I've read it at least 20 times by now, so... Thank you, thank you, thank you. I am so glad you're here and you are exactly the right mom for your kids. And your kids are exactly right for you. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.